What it do, golf fans? Welcome back to the Turn Dogs Golf Podcast. This is Liam. Alongside me is Jack. Jack, we had a, I mean, we had a great week in golf considering there was only really four guys playing last week. You know, all things considered, it was a pretty fun week. We saw a lot of top names on top. What did you think? Awesome week. Shout out Tony Finau. Um, I think everybody over the last couple of weeks really got on the ROM train. I know I did even more so just because he was like, I made a commitment, won the green jacket. I'm still flying all over across the world to play in these events that I really, you know, stapled myself to. Tony Fina wins a golf tournament and four hours later is caddying for his kids on a night par three course. It's just living up to all these guys that are just bigger than golf and their personalities are now being able to shine with Netflix and social media and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just so fun to watch and just watching the golf, which was tremendous and everything else was just a pleasure. Yeah. Tony Fina, the family man is something that I think a lot of people will get behind. Uh, yeah, it was, the meeting it was, needs to stop pegging that as a freaking excuse. It's not an excuse. Yeah, I mean, people are going to peg whatever they want to peg in that instance for for Boss. how Tony plays. Um, but you just can't think too much into it. I mean, he went out and absolutely crushed it at Mexico. It was again. I joke and I joked earlier there was a it was four golfers that showed up this week, but Rom Finau, Dylan Wu, and Oxshay. Brandon Wu. Sorry, Brandon Wu. Thank you. Uh, Brandon Wu and Akshay, I think, won over the rest of the field by about, what, five or six strokes at one point on Sunday. It was really those four and then everybody else it, it felt like in that instance. Um, so it was really just super fun to see at least the top names in terms of Rahm and Finau just battling out up top, even though it never really felt like Tony let it slip. Yeah, and I'll say even before, we, if you take a look at our episode last week, I, th- I think I specifically mentioned that this is going to be a week where we're not necessarily watching Rom and Finau. We're watching a lot of these guys below those names to fill into lineups going forward at Quail Hollow at the U.S. Open and so forth. Where in some of these non-elevated events coming up, you might take a look at a Eric Cole or a Ben Taylor, and now they're 10,000 and you're trying to rework your lineups or your bets this is where this stuff comes in, where they're playing against these fields and be able to really compare those numbers. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Were there any big surprises? I mean, Wyndham Clark sticks out to me. He shot, I think, six or seven under on Sunday to finish T24. Um, he barely scraped by on the cut. Jack and I were sweating on it on uh, on Friday. He had a birdie 18 just to, to make it to the weekend. And he was really the one quote-unquote big name that was struggling to get through um gary woodland made the cut that was nice for him proud of you buddy you barely make any cuts i feel like anymore so whenever he makes one i feel like i gotta give him a a pat on the back um i mean akshay t you know fourth place that was super impressive um love that for him but then there were a lot of the week got into next week because of it yeah that's true there were a few guys like that that got it that got in this week toasty wells fargo toasty uh that was jack's boy who he I don't know if you could say you planned that one predeterminedly. I mean, that's a that's an aggressive line if you're going to give yourself that well, confidence. Here's but... the thing. Here's the thing. When you watch <laughs> Corn Fairy Tour golf, like I do, there's only a handful of guys that put themselves on leaderboards event after event. And I know his name isn't actually Toasty for anybody that's listening. It's a Corn Fairy nerd. It's just more fun to say. Yeah. But he continuously put himself on these boards and the whole thing that came down with the shuttle bus. I don't know what they're calling it, not an incident, you know, the whole story of whatnot. But I think his legacy is just starting to grow. And all these guys in the Corn Ferry, like we talked about Taylor Montgomery yeah. coming up, there's guys in the top 25. These guys can freaking play some golf. So just be on the lookout for these guys because they're coming, boss. Well, and in a, in a week, too, where they were playing in Mexico and they had a little bit more Latin American talent on display, I think picking somebody like a Toasty, like a who's the guy from Mexico that played really well, whose name is Raul. Um, he was from Mexico. He was top of the leaderboard at one point in terms of Latin American golfers. Um, I think he fell off on Sunday and shot like 78, but he was up there for a while. Uh, even like oh, Pareda, yes, Pareda, Raul Pareda. That was who I was thinking of. Yeah, I even think like, he had three doubles on Sunday or something well, like that. Well, yeah, again, he didn't play great Sunday, but he, I think it was on the first page of the leaderboard at one point on Saturday, you know, halfway through his round, even like Tano Goya, like another Argentina guy, another made cut, like a lot, a lot of the Latin representation really showed out, which was, I mean, great to see if you, if you, if you played them, of course. Um, But speaking of 
Um, a lot of these international tours, they're all coming together. PGA Tour Canada and Latino America just formed their alliance. So that'll be super cool. You know, guys like Corey Connors came from Canada. I know we at our high school had a coach periodically come in that played on PGA Tour Canada. So these guys are dogs. Yeah, no, they are. Um, all right. Outside of that, let's just get right into to DraftKings and FanDuel. Let's I know not. You cr- didn't you crush this last week? Yeah, we crushed lineups. Of yeah, all I things, mean, I crush lineups. Yeah, stupid. I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll trade you. I crush nothing. Maybe a bunch of dirt. Like, I, you know, I did, I played awful last week in terms of lineups. I, it, it was not a good week for me. Um, all right, what's your DraftKings lineup do? DraftKings lineup was a big winner. That was big, big, big. We went six for six on cuts. We had Wyndham Clark tied for 24th. Nikolai Hoyard tied 33rd. Patrick Rogers top 10. Dylan Wu 15th. Akshay at fourth and Trevor Werblow at top 30 placement points, six for six on cuts, especially in those lower percentage owned guys. That's going to win you money. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Werblow was a big one for you. 6,600 T30. That was really kind of a clutch up. Um, and Patrick Rogers too. I mean, you don't know what Patrick Rogers you're going to get half the time. And for him to be 9,300, give you a top 10. That was kind of clutch to go through. And of course, if you had, I feel like if you didn't have Akshay in your lineups, you probably weren't being a huge winner. Um, just because there ended up being yeah. a little bit more popularity on him than I think you and I both anticipated to start the week. Um, I'm sure it's just because he's a popular name that's been on other events earlier on this year. So I'm sure that kind of boosted him up. Um, in terms of my DraftKings lineup, I went four for six. I just, I, I not my week. That's all there is to it. Uh, Wyndham Clark, T24, Nikolai Hogard, or Ho, yeah. T33. Yard. Yard, T33. Kind of a masterclass. Ben Martin, T46, uh, MJ Defu, a.k.a. I'm the Fool, uh, he missed the cut. Akshay was fourth, and then Brent Grant ended up missing the cut. He shot plus six on Friday, which was tough scenes. MJ shot 66 or 67 on Friday, too, so just this Thursday round, that killed him. Yeah, both uh, in both instances of my lineups, I had guys that started out like three or four under on one of the days, and then the other days they shot like plus five, so they just kind of shot themselves out of it. That's brutal. But in other news, my FanDuel was also a winner. <laughs> not not as big of a winner, but, you know, still a winner. And, you know, you take any money you can get. Um, we had Rom who finished second. So placement points and, you know, the big money guy proved out to be good. We had Clark 24th, Nikolai 33rd, Andrew Novak 49th, Tano Goya 60th, Trevor Werblow 30th. You know, I'm not winning 10x my money, but anything you can get in profits always good. Yeah, man, only your worst guy being T60th and Tano Goya. Psh, I know. You stink, man. Get better. What the heck? I'm trying. No, uh, yeah, again, Jack crushed the lineups this week. In terms of FanDuel, um, I went four for six again. I didn't win any money. It was a little better. Um, I had Rom who finished second, Wyndham who finished T24, Ben Martin finished T46, uh, MJ Defu, aka I'm the Fool, uh, missed the cut. Harry Higgs, unfortunately, missed the cut. Again, he was another guy that was minus four on Thursday, plus six Friday. Or no, plus five Friday. Regardless, he ended up being over par and missed the cut. Um, and then I also had Tano Goya finish T60. Nothing too crazy. Do you know if Harry Higgs mon- – I Harry Higgs is one back after the front nine of Monday qualifying today. Do you know if he got in? I don't know offhand. I don't know. I I would assume not, but he could. Um, and then my bets this week – apologies – Apologies. That was a rough one. That was a rough one. We had Wyndham Clark top 30. That was sweat dripping everywhere. Um, Nikolai Hoyard top 30. That was a loss. That was just horrific. My head was exploding. Patrick Rogers top 30 was a winner. Matt Wallace top 40. Shot like 87 on Friday to like miss the cut. I was just, oh, Andrew Novak, like two over on Sunday loss. Rom top 20 in round one. That was a winner. Wyndham Clark top 20 in round one. That was a fat loss. That was just so confusing. And then Ben Martin top 40. That was just so frustrating. Like, like this whole week, it was just so frustrating because there were guys that were in there, then they'd fall back, you know, two steps forward, five steps back. It's like you're playing the game of life. So down 2.2 units on the week to just, and I apologize. I know this is embarrassing. We'll come back. 59.49 units up on the year. I'm working. It's a slow climb, boys. Man, you're not up 60 units anymore. What a disappointment to society. Mm. Mm. 
not being able to retire. I know. So sad. Um, I sucked this week in bets. <laughs> Let's just say it like it is. Um, all three of my bets made the cut. And um, all three of them were supposed to be top 20. And none of them wanted to do it. Um, Wyndham Clark, T20, was plus 110. He finished 24th. Ben Martin was T20 um, at plus 210. He finished T46. And Nikolai Hoyard was T20 at plus 140. He finished T33. So all three guys made the cut. All three guys decided they weren't going to put any effort towards the leaderboard. So I lost three units this week, and I'm now uh, at negative 3.55 units. That's what I call it gambling. And if it, if oh. anybody's here is just, you know, it's you you can be frustrated. You know, you listen to someone that, you know, a so-called expert or whatnot, and you piss that you lost money. There's a reason it's called gambling. Um, everybody's going to have weeks like this. You know, that's why you bet responsibly. Um, I know Liam can speak for himself. He's like a 65% win on <laughs> FanDuel and DraftKings. So his money is all good. Um, it, it's hard in these non-elevated events, but we are back with a loaded field. Oh, yes. Um, I know we haven't done wild cards or winners yet, but if you're just tuning in and you watched one episode and you heard down 5.57, whatever units for the week, yeah, that is a one-off. Yeah, that's not very common where both of us will lose money on bets in a week. Um, usually at least one of us is coming out pretty well in the positives, uh, but we'll just blame that on Mexico's field. And again, it being an extremely strange field with not a lot of big, big tier names. Yeah. And last thing I know we're getting a lot of viewers, which is awesome. And thank you again. Liam was down 15 units at one point because he was just betting horrendously. So if you subtract like through Hawaii, he's up like 11 units. So like, if you're following along, you're winning money outside of just listening to his stupid picks in Hawaii. He's like, listen, his bet was like Emiliano Grillo, bogey free, two out of four rounds, 6,000. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, not my finest moments. Uh, it took me a little while getting into the swing of things. Jack's kind of, le- you know, giving me an easy off the hook there, and I appreciate it. And I'll take it, but I got to get back into positives. And I save you from end. going 0 for 4 on bets, which we'll get into wild cards here on that note. Um, mine. John Rom winning. That was close. That was close. <laughs> yeah. close. Second place. Um, and then I had Taylor Pendrith to miss the cut at plus 250. Both times I've had a missed cut pick this year. They just go out in the first round and shoot like eight under. So I think one of these weeks I'm going to have a missed cut for like, you know, um, whoever. And then top 20 in round one scoring and just try to hit one of those plus 400s. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I just need to know now, if you ever want to pick a guy for miscuts, cuts, Jack, can you just let me know? And I'm going to make him a bet for like top 20. Cause he'll probably end up winning me a ton of money that week. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, my wildcard picks. I took Brandon Matthews just cause this was like a course fit that like kind of fit his game. AKA just hit the ball as hard as possible, as far as possible. Shout out cam champ. Yeah. I mean, it worked for cam champ. It just didn't work for Brandon Matthews. So I just picked the wrong long ball hitter, but the process was right. Um, but that was, he was top 30 at plus 280. He missed a cut. Um, the other one was Tony Finau and Wyndham Clark to finish top 10 at plus 500. I mean, that's not like looking at it now, it was not the dumbest wild card pick of all time. When, when I bet it, I know Jack kind of gave me a weary eye of like, if that, if that, you know, hits, I'm going to go sit on a cactus because there's no way that's going to ever happen. I mean, if Wyndham Clark doesn't shoot like four over the first day, I think that it, that, that has a very likely well, potential to. Let me rephrase the comment that I made. It was you had made so many good bets for weeks in a row to try and climb back to even yeah. that it was, first of all, I know you guys don't see the notes pre he had a plus 210, a plus 500 and like a plus 900 as his three bets. I'm like, you are 0.55 <laughs> units away. Don't do that. And, you know, it turns out the three safe picks lost, but yeah, it is what it is. It's all right. I think the three wild picks would have also all lost. So it just Probably. happens. It wasn't my week. Um, all right. Let's talk about your great winners. Let's go. Yep. Rambo two, Patrick Rogers 10. Call it a day. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm jealous. Um, I had used Rogers already. Otherwise, I would have probably fought you for him. T10 makes a ton of sense. Um, Wyndham Clark T24 for me again you'll take it I mean I don't know how many times you're using you know you're fighting for Wyndham Clark so I guess anything in top 25 for him especially in a non-elevated event works Um, Aaron Rye was my other guy he missed cut he just yeah I mean enough said all right let's uh let's get out of that awful week how about it yes please let us get into one of my personal favorite events, which I know I say that basically every time there's an elevated event, but we're at Wells Fargo this week. 
I almost forgot. Uh, Jack and I did do a little side side cheese. He had Cameron Champ by Brandon Matthews. So, you know, again, one of them worked. One of them didn't. We'll let you guys decide. Uh, yeah, so we're going to Quail Hollow, uh, which is with the home of the Wells Fargo. Uh, this was not played at Quail Hollow last year. This was actually the home of the the President's Cup in what was that October September? Yeah. Uh, whatever, whatever. It was right around there, end of September, beginning of October. Uh, so last year was played at TPC Potomac, uh, but Wells Fargo and Quail Hollow is a par seventy one totaling seven thousand five hundred yards. Last year's winner at Potomac was uh, Max Homa. The year before it, it was uh, Rory McIlroy when it was at Quail Hollow. Um, it is one of the longer courses on tour. Distance will play a key and expect a mixture of bombers and elite off the tee players to really kind of hang out top the leaderboard. Um, again, this is played at Potomac last year. So take that into account when you look at course history. This is one of those courses that course history is slightly important on. Um, obviously, the Masters is the top one, but this one's probably top 10 on tour. Uh, so it's just something to really kind of look into here. So... Keep that in mind, and, and in all honesty, again, if somebody struggled last year but they've been otherwise good at this course, it's probably a good idea to look into that. Um, in terms of finishing stretch, uh, the finishing stretch for 16, 17, and 18 is called the Green Mile. It's an extremely difficult test to end a round. Um, they're nearly impossible to play to even par. So if you have a guy on Friday that started out on the front nine and is chasing the cut line going on 16, uh, start praying because it's going to be an interesting, interesting last three holes for you. You got to hope that he he comes out somehow even par. Don't really expect for him to to start shooting in like one or two under on those three holes. Yeah, this is an elevated field. There's a ton of heavy names up top. A few guys that aren't here. Scotty Scheffler um, skipped on this one. And then a couple guys due to injury. Hideki's out. Uh, Aaron Wise is out for some mental health. Obviously, um, Sal Torres is still out. Am I missing anybody else, Jack? In terms of who's out? Yes. I know Scotty Scheffler's not here. Who else is not here that I can't um, think of? Scotty Scheffler, Rom. Um, there's another one that I'm blanking on. He put me on the spot. I know. I can't think of it either. We'll think of it at some point during during all of this when we're going through the DraftKings. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on it. I'll let you know some of the guys to keep out, keep an eye on in terms of course history. When we go through them, I'll, I'll call them out. Um, the other thing that to notice on, if you don't want to look specifically at course history, again, long course, so look for guys that are long off the tee. Around the green play is not that vital here. So, like, this could be a good Victor Hovland course. We can get into that later. Um, but just look, look out for distance, and obviously you want somebody with good approach from 175 yards plus because um, there's a lot of long approach shots going into this course. Yeah. Okay. So Brandon Wu with just withdrew, okay. Hideki Matsuyama, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, Billy Horschel, Tom Hoagie, Russell Henley, Justin Rose, Lucas Herbert, Aaron Wise, and Hideki Matsuyama. All right. So Billy Horschel was the other guy that like was trying to come to my mind that I couldn't think of because he's the only one that really stuck out to me. Um. Okay. So what about this, Jack? Let's get into uh to DraftKings here and let's just kind of loop these four guys together at the top. Um, yeah. Who do you like? Listen, here's the thing. Tony Finau, in a lot of aspects, you go, he just won. I am not going back. But last year, he proved he can go back to back. So it's one of those things that I'm very confused about. Um, but in all essence, I think this is Xander Shoffley. He's okay. got all the characteristics to play this. Um, in his five, I think five times at Quail Hollow, he said, or four times, um, he's had four top 20s and five starts. So taking a look at those numbers, if you look at odds and what he's going to do, um, I think he's very comfortable here. Anyone, I think three and three and oh and one and three one and oh here at the President's Cup. So numbers are good, confidence is high. Outside of that, I mean Roy McElroy broke through here. He has a tremendous history here. Um, and he's just a bomber. So that distance is really gonna play a role. It really scares me. Can't really tell you why, because theoretically he's leading the tour in like par four and par five scoring. Um, but Tony Fino is really the only one that scares me a little bit. And I don't know why, because he just freaking dominated. Yeah. I I'm in kind of a similar boat with you. Um, X-Men's again, he's doing really good at this course in terms of history. The only time he wasn't top 20 was last year when again, it wasn't at quail hollow. Yeah. That's so, why I threw myself off. So, so, so that's why like, yeah, he's outside top 20 once in the last five, but like it was also at Potomac when it, which it wasn't this course. So he's got the good history. 
um obviously rory rory's that rory's the king of course history here um this is where he had his maiden win and then he also won here in 2020 which was also the year he missed the cut at the masters and quote unquote had bad form i don't know what that means for rory mcelroy looking back on it like who are we kidding dude had bad form probably shot 67 one day um but he had bad form coming into 2020 so i don't hate him this week um, in terms of recent form at this course, fifth, first, T eighth, T sixteenth. So the guy is basically locked for top twenty. Nine top twenties in the ten tournament appearances at Quail Hollow. There you go. Um, so I think Rory probably is is far and away the number one. If you if they would have put him at like eleven thousand five hundred here, it it would not have shocked me. Um, yeah, my only concern with Rory McIlroy is his last two stroke play events. He's missed the cut. Again, he was also coming in in 2020 on bad form. (laughs) That doesn't mean it. That is not a pattern that I would suggest following if you're a betting man. Yeah, you sucked in 2020. I think Rory McIlroy is is an absolute goon at maybe half a dozen to a dozen events a year. You know, Bay Hill, Quail Hollow. He has these few golf courses that really kind of stick out where you're like, all right, these are really good Roy McElroy courses, and he can fix his game at these style of courses. I think this is one of them. I, I, I'm trying to get him in all of my lineups. I understand he's expensive. I understand he's popular. I'm going to try and do it. Um, I agree with you. I think Cantlay is going to be a popular swap to this week. I'm sure he'll be fine. He just doesn't fit in my mold. I think if you if you go to him, you might as well just go up to X or, or up to Rory. Uh, so I think that that'll make him under-owned if you want to be different. Um, and then Tony, again, I know we won last week. There's a chance he could go back-to-back. I'm not going to hold it against him. I've already done that once. Um, but it, it just doesn't make sense for him to get into my lineups at that point. I think that I might as well yeah. be, j- drop down to the 9K range. A lot of those guys are the same style of golf, you know, same style or same level of golfer. Um, so it probably makes more sense to just go to them as opposed to hang out at Tony for the extra 400 plus dollars. Yeah. I think Liam and I are both in the sentiment of there's nothing wrong with Tony Fino. If he bites us and has a tremendous week, good on him. There's nothing wrong with it. Yep. There's just not a metric that's getting me to Tony Fino this week. It, it's the same thing with Cantley for me, both, both Cantley and Fino. Like I just kind of sit there and I'm like, I could fit you in with the rest of the guys or with all the guys in nine K and that wouldn't really change my vantage point for you. So spending the extra dollars to get up to him just doesn't feel right. Whereas with Xander or, or Rory, I see the history. I see how they fit into the course. And I love both of those. So, like, I understand the price jumps. Yeah. All right, Jack. So last thing, just let's just rank the four real fast. Are we in the same boat here? Rory, Xander, Finau, Cantley? Nope. It is Xander, Cantley, Rory, Finau for me. And it's not based on what I think they'll do. It's, I think, on what the risk-reward ratio is. Because with Xander, I think he's the most consistent player this year. And I think his track record is really good. I think Cantlay is so boring that he's probably going to get you like a 12th place finish and call it a day. I think Rory McIlroy either is probably going to finish top 10 or probably right around the cut line and is just trying to figure something out. Um, so in, not in terms of what I think they can do. I'm just going based on risk-reward ratio for my lineups and spending that much money. Okay, well, I I like Rory Xander Finau Cantlay personally, and I know that Cantlay is probably going to be just fine, but I I'd rather have a little more excitement in my life than go to Cantlay. Um, all right, nine K range, we've got what half a dozen guys here up top. Ninety eight hundred Colin Morikawa at the bottom. We have Jason Day at nine thousand. Man, yes. it's nice to see him back up here. Let me just go ahead and say, and I, I don't think I've ever said this before in the podcast, but you're stupid if you don't put Jason Day in your lineup. Um. He is a dog here. Let's just let's just point it out here. He was the only golfer to have under sub 70 rounds when he won at Coil Hollow. I mean, he's just he's so good. He's having a career year. He's proven every single metric wrong and right in so many facets. And he's a cheap price. And I I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact that he is nine thousand dollars. Yeah, he's a good price. Um, I, I don't hate going to Jason day this week. If he fits into your lineup, I do think he's going to be extremely popular, um, at this kind of a course. Um, so I, I don't hate going to him, but again, you just kind of have to know that especially if you go like Rory, Jason day, I mean, you might group yourself in with 70% of lineups potentially based on how much ownership those two guys may get. So I, I, 
I love it, but let's just like try and think outside the box here. Cause I think there's going to be a few different people that are, that are All kind right. of going around there. Yeah. Then I guess I'll go to my other guy that I'm really, really high on. His name is Jordan Spieth. He went five and oh here at the president's cup. And I swear every time I watched him, he just amazes me. And over the last couple of weeks, I think I've texted you more about Jordan Spieth than any other golfer <laughs> watching him make 60 footers and just have no reaction or at RBC heritage when he misses a 30 footer by a penny's width and he's smiling about it. I think he went over that hump. He took two weeks off. Mental fatigue is all gone. He's getting excited back into play. He's comfortable here. And his last three finishes were two, three, and four. So if this guy is not just on a heater right now, I don't know what is. Yeah, I put uh, Jordan Spieth, and then I put in parentheses, new Captain America on President's Cup team. <laughs> which i know which i know is aggressive but i was using it as reference to make shout out patrick reed exactly but i know we went five and oh at president's cup and quail hollow and again he did play absolutely out of his mind there um so i like him there i also don't dislike max homa i know he won last year guys gone first miscut first miscut first so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who knows what that what that means for the mold but he's he's got a couple first and a couple miscuts um on his on his schedule and four and one at the prezi and he went four and one at the president's cup um so again i like both of them in this range uh spieth and home are really my main two that's sticking out i think hobland is going to be a little dangerous um in term in terms of you know he's a really good ball striker he finished sixth here last year um this kind Which, of again wasn't quail hollow which again, yeah, was not Quail Hollow, but he's also played well when it's at Quail Hollow. He also hasn't missed a cut yet this year. And then also, this is the kind of course that like really could fit his game well. Because again, you don't have to be good around the green. You need distance off the tee. And like you just need a good putting week from Hovland. And he can do both of those. Um, so I don't hate going if you want to get to him. And he'll get the distance. What? He'll have the distance to keep up with a lot of these bombers. Oh, absolutely. He's a nuke. Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of guys in this range, I guess, I really like. Um, I like everybody, honestly. Like, I could talk about, you know, Colin Morikawa, best iron player in the world. Outside of those couple hiccups at waste management and API, he's starting to come a little back into form. That putter was a little bit iffy for a little bit. But like you said, it's not a big factor. Uh, Sung JM, I think, is after that that Genesis and that Honda stretch where he was just barely making the cuts, I yep. think a lot of people got off of him. But his last four finishes were 21, 6, 16, and 7. So I think he's back. I think this would be a good week to shine and maybe get back in those numbers. So I don't think anybody here has a bad number or at all. If you can do it and you really are feeling, you know, excited to try for it, you could potentially do two to three guys in this range and just skip the first four guys. Not an awful option. Um, if you want to go like Spieth Homa J Day, Spieth Homa Hovland, Spieth Homa M. Um, I would probably go Spieth M Day if I were to pick three based on price 9K for Days of Steel. That's fair. 91 for M. He's just a cut machine. And Spieth, who I think might be the hottest golfer in this category. Well, if we talk steals, we should probably talk who's at 8,900 now. Well, I was saying Spieth is the hottest golfer because he's the hottest golfer. Yeah, that's true. He is the best looking. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, 8K range. We're starting up top with Justin Thomas at 8,900. Yes, I d- did not stutter. I did, in fact, say Justin Thomas at 8,900. Um, at 8,000, we have Tommy Fleetwood and Jack's favorite golfer on the planet, Brian Harmon. Boo. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> um, Jack, who are you liking in this range? So here's the thing, and I know I texted you about this right before we started. Yep. This will be the cheapest price. I think we see Justin Thomas, and he's won a major here. Let's yep. not forget that. He won a freaking major here, and he went 4-1, and 4-0 and at the uh, President's Cup, something like that. So he's had a tremendous history here. I think he feels confident. He had a huge couple hiccup weeks where he wasn't performing to what he was. And I think that RBC heritage really put a number in his head, finishing with that 66 that, Hey, I'm back. I needed this week for confidence. And now he's back in a spot where he's at a comfortable course. He's had, well, great history here. And I think he's ready to put on a performance that will excel at that 8,900 price. I remember he finished four Oh and one because I lost out on a chance to like, 15 times my money on the president's cup weekend because I had Justin Thomas as my MVP and not Jordan Spieth as my MVP. 
Uh, so Spieth went five and zero, and and Thomas went four zero and one, which is oh no, how sad! He only tied one round and lost, and won the other four. Um, so yeah, I'm all over Justin Thomas this week. I think he's going to be just great. He, he should have no problem at all in terms of in terms of playing well on a course like this. I also really like Ricky Fowler. Um, eighty eight hundred. He's kind of coming back into it, and that's super exciting. Um, so he just again, he's the kind of guy that could fit really well on this course. This could be like a, a a total course revitalization moment for Ricky Fowler if he if he does well here. Um, See, I was going to say the same thing about Tom Kim because he won here. I was also thinking it could be a really good jumping off point for Thagala if he if he plays well here. But... I'm huge on Sahith this week. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I watched him at the Masters chip and he got massive <laughs> BDE and he went to the RBC and finished top five. But now he's played with the big boys for almost a full calendar year, over a full calendar year relatively, but, you know, sponsor exemptions and whatnot. Yep. He's got the confidence in him. He's got the swing. Buttercut plays a lot of holes here outside of that green mile. And I think he's really probably going to find his home here. I don't think he's going to win, but in terms of an 8,200 price, right now you're looking for top 30. Yeah, again, I'm I'm big on Tagala this week. I, I think that it's going to play really well for, for his strengths. Again, he's made a ton of his cuts recently, and the guy's only got, you know, two top 10s in his last two finishes, one of them being the Masters, and he finished ninth. So ah, like boring eh, tournament. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's not playing that good. He's just casually going to finish top 10 in one of the greatest fields of the year probably. Um, so I think the gala is kind of coming on strong in terms of time frame, so that'll work. But again, I do think there's a few landmines in this grouping. Um, I don't I don't know about Fleetwood. Harmon obviously is your kryptonite, and we're avoiding him like the plague. Sam Burns won. It feels like he won like two weeks ago, but the guy already forgot how to hit a golf ball again. Like, I don't know. It's so weird for me when I see Sam Burns play because one week I'm like, God, that dude's got a chance to be like a top five golfer on tour. And then I see him the next two weeks and I'm like, dude, did you forget how to play the game? Like, what happened to you? So he's always terrifying for me to get to in terms of in terms of DFS lineups. I think this could be a really sneaky week for Cam Young. Um, Ball striking machine. He's um, one of the best in total driving. And then I think he's like top 20 in strokes gain T to green in a a field that doesn't necessarily revolve around inside of 30 yards. I think it could be a good week for him to show, especially at not a super high priced, even though he's finished a little bit weaker than he did last year. As embarrassing as it sounds, I, I was looking into some of my notes on this course and they were talking about raising the, the, the height of the grass in the rough to make it harder for golfers this year, which let's clarify here. Uh, when, when they won the last few years, they normally win it between like eight under and 12 under on this course. So they just want to make the course harder, which like, I love, I love it, but I'm sure everybody will hate the casual Um, fan wants to see last week where they go 21 to 24 under the hardcore golf fans. I want to see these guys win at two under. I love the U S open. So, so if they raise the length of the, the grass in the rough, that feels like it's going to help Cam Young just based on distance and how he plays out of the rough. Cause again, ball striking phenomenon kind of concept. So it, it could be an interesting narrative if you just want to follow that route. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to add. Like you said, there's a couple landmines here. Harmon could randomly pop off for 40th. He could randomly pop off for 140th. I don't really know. Um, I'm ready to jump down to the 79 or excuse me, 7k range. If you're good. Yeah, I mean Harmon. Harmon is a uh, course history guy. He plays well here in terms of course history. But Ooh. again, uh, he, as Jack has so gratefully proven on this podcast, the man is a true boom bust candidate. And I don't know if you want to, you know, take that risk. I so, do not. All right, seventy nine hundred. We got Corey Connors and Matt Kuchar all the way down to the seven k range of oh my gosh, uh, Taylor Pendrith, Adam Shank, Sam Stevens. Yeah, so the first guy I'll talk about is the GOAT. Of course, if I see his name, I'll talk about him. Keith Mitchell, um, he's really trying to, he's really just grown into form over the last couple of months. I think he's really got a lot of confidence with him. Um, tied for eighth, and I think tied for third in Coil Hollow, both in 2019 and 2021. Yep. And in terms of all strokes gained in every single realm, he ranks fifth in the average. So all the metrics here are pointing a lot at Keith Mitchell. Um, if you take a look at RBC Heritage, and you're probably like, Jack, you're a freaking idiot. Um, but I think that was just everybody's going to have a hiccup week. Everybody does. Another guy I'll take a look at, Wyndham Clark. Um, I, I don't understand why he's so cheap. He's been performing so well all year, 
all year. I know he hasn't gotten to a win like Taylor Moore has a couple hundred under him, but I think he's performed at top four. I think his last top four or outside top 40 was like at the Amex. So everything inside top 40 is performing really well. And I think he's just building confidence over and over and over again. And sooner or later, it's going to click. Yeah. I mean, you and I both really like Keith Mitchell this week. Um, Jack kind of went over it. He was T3, T8, T34, and then the previous year, T27. Um, he did miss the cut last year, but again, it was at TPC Potomac. So I'm wondering if that's actually helping us in terms of him having a lower price. I think he's going to be popular this week. He's one of these guys though at 7,800. It doesn't really affect me. I still kind of want to get to him. Um, he just really fits this course well in terms of distance off the tee. Um, so I'm going to get to Keith Mitchell one way or another. Uh, Taylor Moore at 7,600. This is usually Jack's guy, but I'll mention it. Um, dude's just going to make a bunch of cuts and finish top 40 one way or another. Uh, it's you know not always going to be pretty, but it's going to be damn effective. That's for sure. Um, Emiliano Grillo, he's a, he's a guy that just has played well here, surprisingly, or maybe unsurprisingly, depending on how deeply you look into him. I'm always scared to get to Emiliano Grillo. I mean, he feels like the the truest definition of a streaky boom-bust golfer, kind of like a Gary Woodland, almost, in my opinion. Uh, so he's a risk, but if you want to get there in terms of, of course, history, that's an option. Um, Joel Dahman, 7,300, he's another course history guy. Um, dude has not missed a cut here in, I think, six years. Um, his biggest issue is that in terms of recent form, he's playing like some true dog water right now. Uh, last time he was top 40, Jack, you told me this, that was what, October of last year? Yeah, so like October and November of last year, it was just, just scary. Yeah, not something you really want to rely on, although it's 7,300 if he makes the cut and he's maybe your fifth or sixth guy. Um, you're not too mad at that. But my last guy at 7K, uh, I'm going to say Sam Stevens. So Sam Stevens is a guy that doesn't make a ton of sense. He's eight of 16 on, on making the cut. But if you look at it, his missed cuts are RBC Heritage, Valspar, Honda Classic, and Sony. Those are his last four missed cuts. All four of those courses are super short, like iron off the tee, like bunt, positional. That's not really the same case as it is here at, at Quail Hollow. You know, you're going to need to go for a little bit farther of a distance. You know, Farmers, T13, Puerto Rico, T15, uh, Corrales, T3, Valero, he was second. So he he has the ability to do it on these long-distance courses. I think he could be an extremely sneaky pick at 7,000 when you got a lot of people that are going to go to Akshay instead because of how he did last week. Yeah, and the last couple guys I'll throw out there that a little bit are a flyer. First of all, our guy, Benny Byunghan on outside of API, he's had really, really good form the last couple of months. Um, worst finish since the farmers outside of API was a 45th place finish at Valspar. So he's been performing really good. And he's one of those guys that you take a look at distance wise. Yep. Um, ben Martin still, like I'll say about Aaron Baddeley is remarkably underpriced. 46, 41, 10, 8, 45, 54, 5, 13 since February. So he's been doing really, really good. Justin Sup outside of like one bad week at the RBC, even though he made the cut, he's done everything well since AT&T. Ben Griffin, ever since he started a TikTok, was playing really, really good. <laughs> I don't understand why he's so 7K. I yeah. mean, 31, 72 missed cut, 45, 35, 14, 21. He's been playing really good. And then I'll go Akshay. Um, I'm not just saying that because he's a lefty and I've been watching him since he's basically like six years old. But in terms of what he just did, where he was in a final group with Rom and Finau where they went one and two, he just that that is about as pressure packed as you can get as a golfer. So I think he stood the test there. Went even with a 70, I think he really gained a lot of valuable experience. And if he can dial in those long irons like he was doing for the first couple rounds, I think he could be a play. But I also think there are so many casual people that watch a lot of YouTube golf that are going to throw him in their lineup and call it a day. Yeah, I I, I want to get to Akshay this week, but I just think that unfortunately, because of how good he was last week, there's going to be a lot of expectations and casuals that are going to get to him. I saw him on the featured group yesterday week. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, if you want to throw a couple bucks on him, you know, be top 40, I don't blame you. It's probably a good move. Um, but I'm going to stick out of him in terms of DFS just to be a little different uh, because I think it's going to get a lot of casual attention. So, 
All right. Uh, 6K range check. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> um, Will Gordon, who once again has one of the best pictures on our pod, Golden Retriever. Yep. You scroll down pretty far, you're going to get Morgan Deneen. Um, Kelly Crab. I mean, just, just fun guys. Oh, yeah. Um, there's only one guy that I really, really like is it's Tosty Toasty. Um, because I've just been watching him. He's been killing it. 10th at Mexico, um, 22, 10, 7, 25 in his last corn ferry finishes. I think he's just really coming up, and I think he's getting a lot of confidence and a lot of recognition. In terms of 65, yeah, I know he's probably going to be pretty popular just based on everything that's gone around with him. But I don't hate that. I think he might have a good week. That's the only guy and maybe Dylan Wu. I was going to say, talk about your guy Dylan Wu at 67 because I think he's a pretty viable option if you want to get there. Um, I, I don't hate Harry Hall. Um, Harry Hall's really known more so for his putter than anything else, which is kind of weird. Stupid cap. Uh, yeah, and that awful cap that looks a lot like that's the same one Bryson wear. wear well, for a while, right? Hall is English, so it makes sense. Doesn't mean it looks good, but it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I guess. Shout out Harry Hall. Yeah, exactly. Um, so no, he's an elite putter. He's not known for any distance off the tee. But he also played in Mexico last week, and he played really well, even though he didn't have that driving distance. So, again, he can do it when he needs to. Uh, so, at 6,700, I don't dislike him. And then, it, I mean, if you want to kind of dig around a little bit down here at 6,500, there's a few good names. Again, Jack mentioned Toasty. I think he's going to be popular because last week. I'm going to mention Carson Young at 6,100. I don't hate it. Um, in terms of... DraftKings versus FanDuel, he's like a thousand dollars more expensive in terms of base value on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. So he's been playing well recently. Let me pull up all my information. So he's been crushing with made cuts and absolutely sound off the tee, being a top five or top 75 player on tour off the tee and top 25 in accuracy off the tee. He'll be good and and with a high rough and with high rough in play at Quail Hollow. I am sure he will have no problems getting off the tee in terms of distance. His last six finishes are T15, T19, miscut, T38, miscut, and third. Now, again, let's take into account here. One of them was like Puerto Rico. But, again, he's just got to make the cut at 6,100. If you throw him in the lineup, then you can get Rory and Jordan Spieth in your lineup and get real dangerous from there up top. Which, Um, I forgot to mention... Uh, last week I talked about doing Rom and Fino, and then everybody else like, that killed that freaking killed that lineup was dominance. So I went back to and looked at my lineup. My my first three guys on the, on the Rom and Fino was Rom, Fino, Akshay, uh, Badly, and then somebody else. And I think Badly ended up finishing like forty after he shot seventy seven on Sunday. And I was like, wow, those four guys. I forget who my last two were. It was probably. It might have been Goya and somebody else, but I, yeah. like, I probably would have won more money in that lineup than I did with I, my normal. No, <laughs> I think my lineup, that one that I had Ram and Finau, did more than my better line or than my real lineup because I had him. I think I had Akshay and Toasty. So there's four guys in the top 10. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. But That's anyway, so. um, I have nothing else to add about the 6K range. This is just a. If you like to go mine for gold and you want to spend 10 hours just trying to pick one guy in here, you go for it, honestly. I mean, Zach Johnson, 6,400. That's my guy. He's won me a decent amount of money in this started to start the year for sure. But here's the thing. You can have an average value of about 8,300, 8,333. That yeah. means you can get Keith Mitchell, Wyndham Clark, Keegan Bradley, um, and two guys right around the high AK range. So Zach Johnson doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree. In a bomber uh, field. I, I agree. He doesn't really fit the course well. He was more so just a guy that's always kind of won me money, and, and he'll sneak his way into a cut. Um, I don't know. Maybe go Luke List at 6,900, then work your way out from there. That's not a pretty sight, though, either, and I don't I don't bless that on my worst enemy because he's going to be a true Shout out Luke List. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Jack, let's, let's get into lineups here. What are we looking at for your, uh, for your DraftKings? DraftKings, we are going Max Homa, 9,400, Jason Day, 9K, Cam Young, 8,700, Sahith Figala, 8,200, Keegan Bradley, 7,700, and then Dylan Wu, 6,700. Now that is what they call in the industry, a baby safety crutch play. 
Yeah, you did kind of crutch your way into that lineup. I didn't realize just how safe you made it. Um, for my DraftKings, I have a few of the same names, which is kind of funny. Um, so I'm starting off with Rory McIlroy at 11,100. Then give me Max Homa at 9,400. Give me Justin Thomas at 8,900. Give me Keith Mitchell at 7,800. Give me Dylan Wu at 6,700. Give me Carson Young at 6,100. And then my FanDuel, Jordan Spieth, 11,600. Max Homa, 10,800. Sung J.M., 10,400. Sahith Tagala again, 9,800. Wyndham Clark, 9,300. And then Dylan Wu, 7,900. There you go. Yeah, another one that seems fairly steady up for the most part until Dylan Wu, but even then. Um, for my FanDuel, I'm starting with Roy McElroy at 12,100. Then I'm going to Jordan Spieth at 11,600. Then give me Max Homa at 10,800. Then Keith Mitchell, 9,600. Sam Stevens at 8,100. And Harry Hall at 7,900. And then everyone named Jack's favorite part of the podcast, talking about some sports book bets. Um, again, I, I actually got a tweet the other day that a lot of the odds that we put out were different than what people had when it came out on Tuesday. We put these odds in in our notes at about like 2 p.m. Central time on Monday. Yeah. So by the time the odds makers get in and the floods of people that are interacting with these are changing, it's going to change. So just know when these odds are what we're talking about right now was set seven hours before we're even talking about them. Yeah. So number one, just want to see something green. Um, Taylor Moore to make the cut was minus 155. Sahith Thigala top 40 plus 105. Jason Day, top 30, plus 105. Jordan Spieth, top 30, minus 110. Xander Shoffley, top 20 at plus 110. Sung J.M., top 30 at minus 105. And then my now new favorite bet, Xander Shoffley, top 20 in round one scoring, plus 255. And then Sung J.M., top 20 in round one scoring at plus 400. I think both those guys can do it, honestly. Yeah, Sungjae scares me a little more, uh, but I think Xander could be prime. I, I think Xander could end up being like first-round leader, depending on how he comes out. Uh, yeah. Of course, some this, of that's going to be tea time related, so let's not you know, dig too so deep into that. What's nice is inside the field, Victor Hovland is the number one in terms of first-round scoring average. Xander Shoffley is four, and Sungjae M is six. But if you take away Brandon Steele, who has the only guy in this category with under 10 rounds, then it's four and five. So I think these yeah. guys have a lot of experience with jumping out of the gun early. Yeah, no, that's a good way to go about it. Um, in terms of bets, I have five. Um, I'm kind of following some of Jack's lead just based on the fact that we both tend to kind of like the same guys. He had Taylor Moore made cut. I have Taylor Moore top 40. Um, it's plus 100. Again, top 20 in the field off on strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained ball striking, and top 30 in proximity from 175 yards plus. Sign me up. Uh, second, give me Keith Mitchell, top 40 at minus 120. Third, give me Keith Mitchell to make the cut at minus 188. Fourth, give me Jason Day, top 30 at plus 105. And fifth, give me Victor Hovland, top 30 at minus 130. I just looked at that. It was at minus 150 now, so it's been boosting up a little bit just based on people betting it. Makes sense. It's a pretty solid bet in terms of options. Jack kind of looked at me when he saw that one and was like, ah, you're learning. I'm teaching you. Uh, so that's those are my five. Absolutely. And then we'll go to some wild card picks. Um, I, th I got some fun ones. I just thought I'd have fun with it. Um, Alejandro Tosti beating Emiliano Grino, Grio, and then Nico Echevarria, or what his former name Nacho. was, Nacho. Um, was plus 285. And then I have the winner to win in regulation by one shot exactly at plus 225. That's aggressive, but I kind of like it. Um, I love it. Yeah, no, you had fun ones. Um, I took ones that I, I just kind of thought were cool to see. I mean, Luke List top 30 is plus 320. Um, again, I, I don't, I wouldn't normally ever bet Luke List and I don't love putting him in lineups, but he has these boom bust weeks and this could very easily be one of those weeks. So if you want to throw a dollar on it. That's something you could totally do. Uh, my other wildcard pick is going to be Sam Stevens, top 40 at plus 200. This is arguably less of a, of a wild wildcard pick, you know, only plus 200. Um, but I just kind of like them in this, in this spot. And again, I think T40, I think plus 200 is still a fair number. I don't hate it. I contemplated throwing it in, but Jack wants me to, to, to stay level and make sure I actually gain some money, which I don't blame him. So it's yeah. just Sam's a wildcard pick. 
the nice thing about Quail Hollow is in a really rough sense, it does have a little bit of a Torrey Pine South comp course. So Lucas does have some pretty good history at Torrey Pine South. So not the worst bet in the world. There you go. Um, all right, well, let's talk about your winner's pick because you got a heater kind of coming in here off the top. Didn't want to do it, but I went with it. Xander Shoffley, I think... This might be one of the weeks where he really gets into form. Everything gets hot. And I think he's just, he's going to make up for, he doesn't have lack of distance. But yeah. you take a look at Rory McIlroy. He's, he's not, the distance isn't there for him. But everywhere else, I think he's been so fluid this year. And I think this might be a good week to tie it all together. And then with Alejandro Toasty, <laughs> um, I couldn't get him up. And again, for a lot of people that are joining in, we do PGA Tour fantasy style. So you pick a guy, you don't just pick like five winners, like a lot of these random podcast out there so xander shop is my winner and then alejandro toasty is my flyer um i don't know he's been playing really well just ride the wave yeah i mean mine as well to be fair like depending on how toasty does it's not like the dude's gonna be in the tour championship so like if you're gonna use him he you might, might he might win <laughs> well all right that's fair but it, it, he's less likely to be in the tour championship so you might as well use him while you can uh for my winner's picks i i started with sahith Gala. Um, I'm starting to run into a little bit of a challenge where, again, I'm only allowing myself to use a golfer one time before I'm taking them off of my list. And there are a lot of, you know, majors and tour championships and things like that coming up. And I'm quickly realizing that I want to make sure to save all of my big hitters for the end of the year. You know, the last thing you you want to do is go to Bay Hill and you're playing Gary Woodland because the entire rest of your lineup is is in trouble or I don't know Martin Trainer because the entire rest of your lineup's in already been used uh, so I'm using Sahith Gala and then my flyer who's I think is a decent flyer this week uh, Cameron Davis again he's got the distance so it could fit in a mold like this the biggest challenge is the injury slash health concerns he had to start the year uh, let's just hope that those are all set but outside of that those are my two winners. Is it too early to put a Martin Trainer winner's pick at Bay Hill for that comment? It's just going to bite you. You know what? If it happens, it happens. I'll I'll bite the bullet at that point then. I might will. have to auto add that to the Bay Hill notes. Yeah, I'll put I'll put a penny on that to win 25 Gs. So. Can't you imagine? <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's uh that's the Wells Fargo here, Jack. You know, we got a we got a heater this week. It's a big grouping. And then next week we're going to the Byron Nelson. I'm assuming we're gonna get Scotty there because it's in Texas. Oh, for sure. And then we're going to Rochester, New York for the old PGA championship. Yes, sir. We are going to the PGA championship. It's it's gonna be a crazy few weeks here. We've got basically elevated event. Big time tournament, major elevated event, big time tournament. I mean, it's just going to come pretty quick here in terms of uh, in terms of good golf that's going to get played and great podcasts and great podcast. There's a really good one on Spotify and a lot of other programs. It's called the Turn Dog Golf Podcast. Um, you should definitely check them out. I've never heard of them, so I'll take a look into it. Sounds good. Uh, all right, guys, let's go out there. Let's win a bunch of money, and we will see you next week. Deuces. <laughs>